0: Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's It's one thing to say, I want to eat
1: something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something
0: else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,
1: uh, and and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have
0: some real talk. (laughs) Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my co-host, Judy Cho. And we are super excited. This is our first podcast of 2022. It is January's World Carnivore Month, so we are going to talk about all things basic carnivore. If you haven't heard our uh, Beginner's Guide to Carnivore, we did right before the holidays. um, So that way, if you are prepping or getting ready to start carnivore, that would be a good resource for you. So I think today we want to dive a little deeper into what you should be eating, what you can eat, where you're supposed to buy that type of stuff. Uh, I want you to walk away from this episode with like meal ideas. Maybe you've been doing carnivore now since after the holidays or whenever you're listening to this, you're you know, you're know running out of meal ideas or you're wondering how you can eat this way without getting bored or feed your whole family. Um, so we're gonna talk a lot about that. So hi, Judy. How you doing? Hey, I'm <laughs> good. Uh, how was your New Year? Yeah, really good. I'm super excited. I love a good fresh, clean start. I talked about that a little bit on our goals, but I love setting goals, and I love uh, I love the New Year. And nothing magical happens, but it still is a fun time for me to like feel like I'm starting with a clean slate. At the beginning of every yeah, year,
0: it always feels like it's a new start. So I think whether or not it's a real change, it's just always feels good to have a new year and um, the hope for change. So I think that's good. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, where you get your food and um, how you plan your meals?
1: Yeah. So our family, so if you don't know, my husband is also carnivore. Our kids are meat-based where they eat protein of some kind, three meals a day, eggs or, or meat three meals a day. And then they eat a few other things as well, whether it's fruit, Maybe some carbs like sweet potatoes or vegetables, nuts, like a few other things if they want it. We really don't um, worry about adding other things. It's kind of like after they're done eating their meat, if they want to eat something else, then they can do that. So, you know, when we're talking about um, buying for our family, it's all pretty standard where we buy a whole bunch of meat. Everybody eats the meat and eggs. And then we buy a few extra things on top of that for the kids um, so that they can pack in their lunches or that type of thing. So, you know, our Chris went grocery shopping today. Our standard is a lot of, he bought a lot of pork today um, with beef prices being higher. We have been incorporating a lot more pork and chicken. So, you know, a weekly shopping list for us is going to Costco or Sam's Club and Walmart is pretty much where we buy most of our meat. We also check the ads from the local grocery store. And so we, you know, we live in Phoenix, which is a big city, and we have a lot of access to different grocery store chains. And so just depending on what meat is on sale that week, we'll shop at a different grocery store chain kind of just to get what's on sale. Um, but that's our pretty typical list and we do steaks when we can. Um, When things are on sale or, you know, prices are coming down a little bit right now. So, you know, Walmart ribeyes used to be our go-to. Those were kind of high. So Costco ribeyes are coming down. So that might be a treat for me, but a, you know, typical grocery list for the week is always going to have eggs, bacon, pork tenderloin, pork loin. We've been eating a lot of those lately. Um, because they've stayed low bacon prices have even gone higher so we've been sticking with pork loin pork tenderloin Um, boneless skinless chicken thighs are a big one for us and then we'll grab a rotisserie chicken usually every week uh cheese pepperonis like that's kind of our basic grocery list um that of things that we go through every single week and then just shop at those stores that i mentioned
0: So I'll look at the, I think the sales are every Wednesday. And so we'll look on Tuesday night for any sales. And if there are sales on, let's say steaks at the local grocery store, we'll buy a lot of them and then freeze them individually. And so we have a chest freezer where we, store a lot of our meats. um, And then we will also just get eggs. We get a mixture. So I used to only buy pasture-raised and the highest quality, but now I just buy a mix of whatever is available. We also go to a farmer and so we'll get his pasture-raised eggs. Um, They're a lot more cheaper than if you were to just get it from the store. And then we get raw goat's milk from him for the boys, but we'll buy some of the grass-finished meats from them. And then we just kind of look at the meat section and see what else is economical. So if we feel like having chicken wings that week, or if we want to have chicken thighs, or if we want to have some type of pork, we just look at what's on sale and what looks good. It's so simple, but that's how we kind of shop. But we shop both the grocery store as well as um, our local farmer.
1: And that's where I think sometimes this is so simple that it, and people want it to be more complicated than it is when you're talking about this kind of stuff. Like And I think unfortunately, when we talk about sourcing, there is this, you know, people think that they have to get the grass finished, um, organic, all that kind of stuff. And I think that in some ways that's where you and I disagree a little bit is that you consider that a better quality, right? If that's, or you usually, when you phrase it, talk about how that's the best quality, but as a, it's okay to still eat stuff from the regular grocery store or from your, instead of from your farmer, if you can't afford
0: that? Is that your kind of your mindset? Where I, I guess I stand with the grass finished versus grass or versus grain fed would be that if you have like an autoimmune, or if you have any intolerance to anything that can affect your immune system, well, then it's just a safer bet to eat an animal that ate its natural, like the grass. But if you add the corn and whatever other foods that they add to the grain-fed cows to beefen them up at the very end, it may just cause a little bit of an immune response. But for people that are sick, maybe enough to make them not well. But I think for most people, that is not an issue. And so I think that's where I pause a little bit because I do work with some of the sickest people. And for those people sometimes just eating the grass finished varieties they're okay with versus the ones they buy at the grocery store. Um, And it, it may not even be that it's because they're grass finished. For some people, for example, they have a histamine response. And so if they go to their farmer, they can say, I need you to flash freeze the meat as soon as it's butchered. Whereas at the grocery store, you don't really have that option. So for some people with a histamine response, just because the meat is I guess you can manage how it's processed much faster than if it's at the grocery store. Um, that may be another reason. So for those reasons, I say it. I don't think the nutrients in a grain-finished versus grass-finished is different. I think that actually we need more fat. And so for a grain-finished animal may actually be better for us in terms of the macros. But in terms of nutrition, no, not really. Uh, maybe for the most unwell people and even that is in a sense a band-aid until they get to the root cause of what's causing them not to even be able to tolerate food from the you know the conventional grocery store
1: so I love the I hadn't thought about histamines, and that's true because this when they sit, you know, like I like to buy fresh meat from the grocery store. I, that's my preference as far as taste goes, uh, and so that has never usually that meat has never been frozen before. It's like uh, vacuum sealed, wet aged before it gets to the grocery store, and then they cut it and sell it right away. So that one definitely makes sense. And I'm uh, c- so glad to hear you kind of tell people that the nutritional differences um, aren't enough to have that be a concern. I know that we both um, think you shouldn't be getting your omega threes from beef anyway. So even though there is a slight difference, like that shouldn't be where you're getting your omega threes from. So it shouldn't be something that you're concerned about in our episode that we did with Paul Dysart a few months ago, we talked about, um, he was, uh, works for the cattle industry. And so, you know, we addressed like antibiotics and hormones and things, and those things are not in meat, like whether or not they're used, they're not proactively used because they're so expensive for the animals. It's not like farmers are just loading everybody up with meats. And so the organic label is kind of a, um, I think it's just a buzzword that helps them to charge more for it because it's not like the meat that you're eating from the grocery store is going to have those hormones and antibiotics in it anyway. And they're not using it proactively because of the cost.
0: There's a law that requires no antibiotics in animals when you, when they're processed. So I mean, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's a marketing thing. Um, the differences really between grain-fed and grass-finished are not that significant. I mean, I think right. there are people that are sensitive to soy and corn. And so for those reasons, you may want to remove those animals um, that feed off of that in your diet. But I think the push of you can only have health with grass-finished, I just don't agree with that.
1: Also, if you go back and you really want to talk more about meat sourcing and how to support your local farmer while you can drive to the farmer yourself and do that, shopping at your local grocery store, in my opinion, and kind of based on the US beef industry is supporting your local farmer. It's just not somebody who's local to your area, right? And so local farmers who live all across the country can't feed big cities when they don't live in those big cities. And there's not enough local farmers in Phoenix for me to shop from. So it's a really it is an efficient process and it's it's that way because we have to feed the masses and so um you are able to support us farmers that way and i'm very passionate about the benefits and the health of of going to your local grocery store i don't like the tone that that can not from you right or, but just in general from this community we all know the um importance that sometimes is pushed on the best quality versus a fine, okay quality is the grocery store and when you know my opinion is the Grocery store is best for several reasons, you know.
0: I think you should just figure out what you like and just go with that, and not be fear monger to feel that you need to eat a different kind or a different cut, because. From a nutritional perspective, all things considered, um, they're pretty much the same. Just eat the meats that you want. I say go for more natural meats, meaning that they're just not processed. You get the full meat. Cut it however way you want, but just stick less to like the deli meats and things that are processed. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to talk about cooking methods because I think in our beginner's guide, we really talked more about when you should be eating and introducing intermittent fasting. And so let's, and I, I think it's so, um, amusing to me how differently you and I cook. And I think that's important because there are a lot of people who are going to cook, um, the way that each of us does. And the fact that we are so completely opposite just on how we cook, uh, and the types of meat that we're looking for and stuff, I think is, is just fun to talk about it. Cause you know, yeah. you and I like, like teasing about it, but more than anything, I think it shows, you know, how realistic it is my family lives in a place with great weather. We love to grill. We grill, um, pretty much every single day. And we, you know, I was 263 pounds. Like I got to, I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to bake. Those were all things that were like a passion of mine is like finding new cookie recipes and baking. And so It was a grieving process for me a little bit when I switched to a meat-based diet because you don't get to do all of those fun new recipes and stuff. And so I have really turned like cooking meat into this recipe type method where I can use cooking temperatures and different cooking methods and different types of salts and all of those things to really give me that same passion and hobby fulfillment, um, And so if you want to really dig into it, you can cook yourself some like really incredible things. And then there's also just the realistic element of needing to cook food quickly for your family. And so I don't know. I think that's fun. So what is your your go to cooking methods? We've talked about a lot on here, but what um, what is that approach for you?
0: So during my plant-based days, I ate a lot of salad. So all I would have to do is get all the greens together, cut some veggies, and then get some dressing. And maybe I cook off some quinoa or um, some other grains. But in general, that was how I ate. And then I would eat out a lot. I grew up eating that way and thinking that was convenient. And it's funny because because of our past, that's what makes sense for how we cook now. And so I'm all about efficiencies and convenience. And so I've never eaten food because it was something fun. It was more of a tool or an addiction uh, for whatever thing I was going through. And so food has never been something that I enjoyed because it was always a thing that I was fearful of. I can eat the same steak every single day for a very long time before I get tired of it. I do a lot of air frying. I do a lot of cast iron or uh, stainless steel pan frying. Oh, and I make a lot of bone broths because I grew up eating bone broth soup, and then I'll add meat to that, especially the cuts that are harder to eat. And and then I make family meals around that. So for me, I'll get the meat and I'll um I'll I'll have some of the meat put aside for me and then the kids maybe we'll add a little veggies or a little bit of carbs like rice um, and we'll add that to the meal or they'll just have the meat and then they'll have like a dessert at the end with maybe a low carb ice cream or a, some type of snack that they wanted so that's how we normally eat it's really simple our staples are beef fish pork chicken and a lot of eggs and butter yeah, yeah
1: for us, it has to be an experience. It has to be this, like, I need to eat the best steak I've ever had every day. And it does I mean, I don't, listen, today we actually we had company over a lot for the holidays. We're dealing with a lot of leftovers today. So you're gonna be so proud of me, Judy. We are eating leftovers this today. Oh yeah, I totally um, forgot I eat leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. You eat leftovers all the time. And our family doesn't. You know, we know exact kind of we know how much meat we're gonna cook. It's not that I'm like too good for leftovers, it's just we know we don't like them as much. And so we intentionally don't cook yeah. food that would be leftover. But we all sit down, like my kit. We all have our big cutting board plates and our special knives and the little salts. And like it needs to kind of be this experience. And that's because I'm used to like having this flavorful, delicious experience. It's like, how else do you get to be over 250 pounds? Is then you really like food and processed food. And like I needed this replacement. It's one of the reasons why carnivore has been so sustainable for me is I get to eat this like incredible delicious food all the time. And so, um, you know, we love having that process and fun around, uh, at our house. And it, I think, um, that that's kind of what makes it sustainable for us. And, and hopefully what makes it exciting for our kids to be on. I always say that, Penelope's gonna be the worst date for some high school kid when she he tries to like take her out and or in college. Hopefully, let's wait till college before she starts dating. But when she takes her out and she's like ordering steak for every meal because she's so used to eating steak every day um, from our house. But I don't know. It just it it kind of helps it be exciting for us. Um, and now even with not doing steak, we can still look at other meats. We've been recently. I've been obsessed with uh, making pork nuggets where I take pork loin and cube it and do some like adobo and italian seasoning and i put it in the air fryer. Look, we're doing air <laughs> fryer stuff. And then do that for 10 or 15 minutes until the internal temperature is um 145 where i want it. And then i will coat it in some butter and parmesan cheese and then put it back in the air fryer for a quick second just to get it crispy and the kids are like we everybody's really loving like these new pork nuggets that we've been making. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be a steak all the time, but it just has to be really good to make me not have other
0: cravings. We're so different, but it just shows that we have to do what makes sense for us to right. make this a lifestyle long-term. I mean, for us, like we'll do a lot of cooking on Sunday nights so that we have our lunches prepped so that when I'm making the kids' lunches or Kevin's grabbing something really quick to eat for lunch. It's not enjoyable, I guess, in that sense. But for me, it's just, I need to fuel myself and I don't want to eat just one meal a day. So that's what works. And that's where you have to find what works for you, but will be enjoyable. So I make sure, because I like beef a lot, um, I make sure that there's enough cooked steak in the fridge so that when lunch comes, I'm not just eating deli meats and then I'm not satiated.
1: Yeah. And so talk about eating out. Cause I know that's something that your family does, um, yeah. more often. Our family eats out maybe once a month or so. We always end up at Fogo or a Brazilian steakhouse. Like financially, it kind of only makes sense if we can find a place to like eat a ton of meat. Cause otherwise I would just cook it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously I travel for work. And so I can talk about kind of my go-tos for that. But what, when you eat out, how does that um, work for your family?
0: Yeah. So I'm the only one that's carnivore and then the kids are meat based, but I mean, since they don't eat as much as me, they can, we could really go anywhere and they'll just have their meat load. Um, And then Kevin's not carnivore and he's not even keto. So he's a little bit more flexible with his diet. Um, and so for us, uh, eating out isn't really about the food, but just the tradition, I guess, of us going out and spending family time away from work. And it's really worked. Anywhere you go has um, typically they have meat. So Kevin's always mindful of picking restaurants that do have good portions of meat. If we go to a Taco Place, I'll just order like five tacos and I'll just eat the meat on it. I'll say, no onions, no cilantro. I'll just eat it that way. And maybe I'll get a side of scrambled eggs, but it's pretty easy. Um, Even if you go to an American restaurant, you could get a steak by itself. Um, I learned from you, if you have a loaded baked potato and I say, hold the baked potato. And several times they'll go, <laughs> what? You know. but I'm like, I just want the bacon and cheese and it works. Um, any American restaurant in general, you could say, can I get a side of eggs and bacon and they'll have it. Um, I like to look at the menu in advance and see if there's anything I can eat. If the portions seem really small and I won't feel satiated, then I definitely eat more before I go um, on our, I guess, our dinner adventure. But that's what works for us. Um, I don't think it makes sense economically from a carnivore perspective, but it just works for our family. And, and I'm always center the kids meals around meat. So they'll get the hamburger patties or they'll get a small steak and share it, or they'll get shrimp. It really depends again, but I limit the carbs and that's sort of my rule. I'm sure we get seed oils when we go out, but again, this is what works for us.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know we both, I eat so many chicken wings when I'm traveling just because I know that I can get the cleaner ones from Buffalo wild wings that are not fried in seed oils, right? They're fried in tallow. And so- And they also will sell burger patties a la carte at Buffalo Wild Wings. And so I'll get a couple burger patties and chicken wings. And um, I usually add cheese to it, the burgers. And so like something like that is usually my go-to when I travel or, you know, a lot of the other things that you mentioned um, makes it it a lot easier. So when you're looking for like what you can eat, I really do think it just is so simple, especially at a restaurant. Like any restaurant is going to have some type of burger or some type of meat that you could just... You know, you may not get as much as you need for the entire day in that meal, um, but you're going to have something that you can figure out. You mentioned something else that was, which was cheese. And then I wanted to talk about, uh, and so is that something that you eat uh, in your diet?
0: Yes. So I noticed that if I eat a lot of cheese, um, I tend to snack on cheese a lot. So like that is my one thing I tend to snack on. And so if I snack too much, and I'm very liberal with my cheese, I notice I gain a little bit of weight. It's very small, but I notice it and I feel a little bit of inflammation. I liked your rule the other day where you said you'll have it with your meals, but you try not to snack on it. Um, yes. I still snack occasionally on string cheese. That's fine with me. Um, but I don't use a lot of heavy cream. In general, if you are trying to lose weight, dairy is not the best to have as most of your calories. You want it to be a side of your meal. I think dairy has a lot of nutrients, so it's good. But you just want to be careful with being overly generous with dairy because it can cause a weight stall. It can cause constipation, especially if you're new to this way of eating. I see so many people eat steaks and then they want something different. So then they just eat so much cheese after and then they're like, Judy, why am I constipated? And it's oftentimes because they're eating so much cheese. I do think those processed American cheese aren't ideal. My kids still eat it, but I try to limit the amount because it is very processed. It's almost not dairy.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that it, it definitely depends on your personality type. Like for yeah. me, a string cheese would kind of be a, a spiral. And so you have to know yourself and really your history with coming from food. What are your goals at the time? And then also like, what's your history with food and, uh, kind of don't be afraid to look in the mirror and call yourself out for, you know, doing some things that are not helping you. I think, you know, we can ignore that. And even mm-hmm. if it's technically approved, it can still, doesn't mean it can be good for everybody. Definitely.
0: Yeah there's a lot of diets and elimination diets that remove dairy. And I think there's a reason for that. If you can get raw dairy, maybe that's the best, but it's very hard for people to get raw dairy. So if you don't think you can tolerate dairy or it's making you gain weight, I would cut it out in the beginning and then see if you can bring it back and then find that balance that makes sense for you. I found my balance. It took me a while, but initially I was overdoing the dairy. So the next question I get often is about macros. Laura, for you, how did you start Carnivore? Did you start plugging things into MyFitnessPal? How did you start doing Carnivore? So I had started keto before and I was using the Carb Manager tracker to kind of figure out
1: and keep my carbs low. And then once I switched to Carnivore or like, you know, it was kind of gradual for me, but like once I cut everything else out, I was left with no carbs. And so, you know, I kind of quit using that app. I would go back occasionally and plug some stuff in just to make sure I was eating enough. And actually that's kind of how I like diagnosed myself of like undereating because I went back and started plugging in like what I'd been eating and realized it was too low. Um, really. It was like under a thousand calories every day. And so I realized I needed to make some changes there. But um, as far as tracking like fat to protein ratio, there's so much advice on like the percentage you should be at. And that's something I've never really tracked at all. Uh, I just can't, focus on that too much. I know that your husband loves tracking. It's kind of like what keeps him on track. It keeps him on track is to be able to like pay attention, but it just makes me crazy. And I can't really focus on that. So I think it's informative to look back about it and to know what you need to adjust based on that. But I actually like figuring out fat to protein ratio because I need my food. I need to enjoy my food so much. I just eat what whatever meat that I want and then I have always used fasting as that lever um whether I increase or decrease my fasting based on kind of how hungry I am and and what my results are is really the only way that I've been able to sustain this because if I had to like well I have to reduce my fat intake I need to eat a bunch of egg whites instead of egg yolks or vice versa you have to eat this raw fat like I'm never going to I'm never going to do that I'll go back sure. to eating pizza and ice cream and then not worrying about it. And so, um, I just, I just eat what sounds good to me that day, as far as meat goes. And then I worry about adjusting myself for my goals based on my fasting.
0: Yeah, and I think that's ideal for most people. It's just starting with the meats you like and see how you're doing. And then based on your symptoms, you will have to monitor things. So a lot of people, for example, probably would do better with higher fat in the beginning, but maybe you eat a ribeye and you add a little bit of butter. But for most people, when they're first starting carnivore, that will give them the runs. It could be electrolyte related. It could be just a shift in bile. That's one of the reasons why it becomes really difficult to eat higher fat on carnivore. But if you eat mostly protein without fat, then you will lose your energy source, especially because you're removing carbs. And so shortly thereafter, you're not going to feel well. Initially, I think if you just eat the higher fat versions of meats, that's ideal. So even if you just ate ribeye by itself or the New York strip and you feel fine and your energy is consistent, you're sleeping well and you feel great, great. You probably don't have to check your macros. But if you start feeling imbalances, that's maybe when I would suggest going higher fat. And what I mean by that is really just if you eat like a New York strip, maybe adding a couple pieces of butter. If you eat a ribeye, adding a one slice of butter. If you eat eggs and maybe doing a few extra egg yolks with the full egg. Um, And it's not just drinking fat, because I don't think that's ideal either. Uh, Fat doesn't have as much nutrients as protein. Uh, You just have to figure out where you are in your journey. And if it makes sense to start tracking, I I think it's smart not to track in terms of when we are trying to get over like a food addiction, you don't want to track and say, Oh, wow, I'm out of calories. So now I can't eat dinner, but I'm ravenous. And so it's either you make the decision of today, just didn't work out I'm just going to binge or um, or you end up forcing yourself to s- starve and that may not be ideal as well so I'm not a proponent of tracking macros unless things aren't working and most people that come to me things aren't working and that's when I have them track macros right. and oftentimes that is a way that it does help them as long as you're healing I think you don't need to track but also know that if you're eating a surplus of calories you can gain weight I know there's this mantra in our community where calories don't matter in the meat-based world. And I don't know who came up with that, but it's just not true. If you eat a surplus of calories, you will end up gaining weight. Now you may have to eat a surplus of calories to heal if you've been under eating for a long time and maybe you'll gain weight initially. Right. Well, I think if you have a lot of weight to lose, like my experience coming from somebody
1: who had over hundred pounds to lose, you can get away with a lot in the beginning of like net not doing things perfectly and then adjust over time so you know we've done episodes where we talk about should you go super strict elimination diet style or should you kind of be more gradual and and both of those are options that you can go back and listen to that episode um and kind of dig into and see but it really you can get away with a lot when you have 100 pounds to lose and it's good to keep it working and then just kind of adjust over time as you stall
0: I think the biggest tip would be just get assimilated at first. And then as you're getting right. used to this way of eating, if you're stalling, then maybe look at the cheese, maybe look at the dairy, maybe look at the fat count. And that's where, but in the beginning, when you're tr- just trying to get used to eating meat only or meat based, that itself is a feat. And so just eat what you enjoy and don't worry about all the other stuff. Just eat until you're full yeah, and then absolutely. you're good. Um, the last thing we want to really bring up is carbs. I mean, there proponents in the meat-based community that feel that carbs are necessary for thyroid health. And, uh, you know, should we leave in carbs when we're first trying to transition? What are your thoughts?
1: I think that, I mean, I, I come from food addiction, carb addiction. Like I don't really, um, I think to me it's triggers me. It causes issues. I don't, I haven't needed carbs. I had hormone issues doing carnivore, but it was because I was under eating and overexercising exercising. Um, you know, we did an entire episode on hormones that will really dive in if you want to know more about that. But I think that from a do I need carbs perspective, you know, personally, it's those have only ever hindered me and something like, honey, like I'm not a high performance athlete. I'm a middle aged woman who uh, is trying to keep from gaining weight. And so because of that, I don't need I'm not doing CrossFit. I don't need the energy, the quick burning energy that comes from something like honey or fruit, um, which is why I think some of the people in this community who are talking about it do need it. They do need it. They are not coming from somebody who has this weight loss issue. They don't have healing to do. They were over exercising to the energy that they were able to intake from meat. Maybe they have eaten too many organs. All of those things are are questionable, um, but you definitely don't need it. Um, the, the average person doesn't need carbs, right? And to me, it would only cause me problems with gaining, with weight loss for sure. And then also just food addiction,
0: it's gonna trigger all my um, bad behaviors. The one thing I, that you said that these CrossFitters and people that exercise a lot or that are super metabolically healthy and they train hard, maybe they need the carbs. I would challenge that with maybe they are overexercising to the point that it's an excess of what the body really demands. And so if you need carbs in those instances, I would challenge and wonder, well, yeah, you're young, so you can tolerate it and your body can tolerate a beating in a way in that sense. But at a certain point, you have to look at carbs as a stimulant. So if the only way you can exercise that hard, or the only way you could push your body harder is by adding sugar to your body, the question is, then are you working too hard? you know we talk about ancestors and so we pick the diet that the our ancestors used to use and and then but then with the exercise part we we now have a different narrative and it's just interesting because our ancestors didn't do crossfit and they didn't do these excessive runs they walked a lot they they would right they would hunt and they would sit and rise with the sun and go to bed um at at dawn and so sure, maybe you need that stimulant of carbs to exercise harder and CrossFit harder. But my challenge would be as a holistic health uh, nutritionist, it's just maybe we're not supposed to be doing that level of exercise. And there are studies that show excess exercise can be detrimental to the body in terms of inflammation. So we don't necessarily need carbs. Sure, some of us can do better with them. I wonder if there's some other root cause imbalance and that's something that people have to figure out on their own. Maybe, maybe it's okay to add a little bit of carbs and I don't think an apple a day or some amount of berries will be a bigger issue, but if you have a food addiction, then it might be. And and the thing is, if you need the berries after every single meal for a little bit of energy to get through the day, I would challenge that saying that there's something wrong. And I would go deeper to figure out why do you have such low energy? Because oftentimes there's an underlying cause and the berries may work in your twenties and thirties and maybe even your forties. But once you're older, that band aid will no longer work long-term. And then what are you going to do?
1: I think too, it's, it's look at other things like your sleep. We've talked a lot about sleep before some other root cause issues. Like I love that. (laughs) My lazy self loves that. Why are you even working out that much in the first place? Maybe (laughs) you should work out too much. It's not my fault. No. Um, I, I do think that's true where some of those things are so intense on your body. That's so hard on your body. Like, what's the point? Maybe it's a sport and it's, you know, there's just there's a balance. Um, and I think I am one end of the extreme and those crossfitters are at the other. And there is a healthy balance somewhere in the middle, um, that I think is good for people. And while we're talking about eating too, before we wrap up, I'll give my uh, YouTube channel a plug and just say, I have months and months of meals that I have eaten and tracked and videoed. And so if you're looking for, you know, what, what to pack for lunches or if you're looking for uh, how to order in restaurants, like they're just look up what I eat videos Um, and myself and other people out there have so many examples uh, and you know, I say in most of those videos, don't eat exactly like I do and expect to have the same results. You have to find what works for you. But those are just really good examples of different things you could eat in different circumstances.
0: Yeah. And Laura has some good videos where it's just 30 days of eating and different meals within that 30 days, you get a sense of how you can eat variety, how you can be creative. And she, I think she even has videos where you basically show how to grill, right? I probably should watch yeah, that. I
1: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could learn how to grill a steak, Judy, and then you, you know, if you like it in the air fryer, go for it. But if you don't, you can learn how to grill a ribeye.
0: Yeah. So I hope that this episode helps you guys realize that it really is individualized. I mean, I know we didn't even touch on organ meats, but I don't think we all need organs. Um, If you don't like the taste of organs, don't worry about it. I'm actually an advocate of being very cautious, especially with liver and kidney. And you can look at my other content to see why I'm a little bit more cautious. Actually, we have a podcast episode on that. You know, just eat the meats you enjoy. Um, Make sure to eat to satiety. Don't just fill yourself up with processed meats like jerkies and cheese and deli meats and make that a side snack type of thing. But when you are transitioning to this way of eating, you want to eat like the chicken, the beef, the pork and the ones that you have to cook so that you feel very nourished. And it makes it easier to get uh, used to this way of eating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We always forget organs because neither one of us eats them. So that's so that's a
0: good good uh, for
1: remembering that because that's definitely a something people think they need. So they're nasty. Don't eat them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on apple podcasts we will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode this also helps us to share our real talk with more community members you can also find me on my other podcast nutrition with judy on all podcast channels You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.